If you feel it, you know it. D-Rock Productions. Sports Talk with D-Rock. It's a double banger. What's good today, people? I know it's been a while, but guess what? I'm back right now. And you already know you can depend on me at least once a week to give you the best news of the sports world. So first, let's go ahead and hop into the H-Town breakdown and get into the Houston Texans. I thought I would never say that the Houston Texans will win another game because honestly, I thought they would go one in fifteen, and that's the straight up truth. I didn't see no positivity coming from that Texans team, and I didn't see anything that would make me even think that they had a chance against the Titans. The Texans pulled off a victory, people, against the Tennessee Titans. Now we're talking twenty-two to thirteen. Tyrod Taylor had a good game. What a great rebound after having a a good, solid bye week for them and coming out there and putting on a show to basically recap what they did. Tyrod, 14 for 24, 107 yards, no passing TDs, no picks. But guess what? He had six carries, 28 yards, and two TDs. He got it done on the ground. He got to get it done anyway, anyhow, right? In comparison, Ryan Tannehill, 35 for 52. Dude threw 52 passes, man. Ridiculous. 323 yards, one TD, four interceptions. And I tell you this, anytime a quarterback has to throw the ball that many times, they're going to turn the ball over. It's just ridiculous. It's too many attempts to throw the ball. And that's what you get. He also got sacked two times. Guess what? The Texans didn't give up no sacks, people. That shit is crazy. (laughs) Man, on a running game, the Texans, I guess, did a solid thing. Rex Burkhead, 18 carries, 40 yards, no no TDs. I already told you Tyrod had six carries, 28 yards. David Johnson had 13 carries, 18 yards. They need to stop playing him. Why didn't they play Royce Freeman in this game? Like, why not play somebody else? They could have gave more carries to damn Philip Lindsay, all I care. 13 carries, 18 yards, 1.4 yards on average. David Johnson just sucks. And then uh, Philip Lindsay got one carry. He got hit in the backfield, negative three. He never got another carry in the game. But you're going to continue to give the ball to David Johnson, right? Then on the other side, we look at Tennessee, Adrian Peterson, nine carries, 40 yards, 4.4 average. Duntrell Hilliard, I would have sworn he played for the Texans, and maybe they cut him. Seven carries, 35 yards, average of five yards per carry. Deontay Foreman, another former Texan, seven carries, 25 yards, 3.6 on average. 
And then Ryan Tannehill, two two carries, three yards. Now, I'm going to tell you something interesting about at least three of these people that carried the ball. They're all from the Houston area, or they're from Texas. And majority of them stays in the Houston area, or, or they're from the Houston area. From AP in the Houston area, Deontay Foreman, Houston area, Ryan Tannehill, Houston area. Now, I don't know about Duntrell Hilliard, but it's funny how a team got mad and took their shit and went to Tennessee, but all they get is people from Houston and Texas. Anyways, that's mostly football anyways. But uh, Looking at the Houston receiving team, our receiving core wasn't great, but um, they didn't play too bad either. I expected more from Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, but uh, we got a very limited version of them too. Um, Chris Conley, four receptions, 37 yards. David Johnson, now he did have three receptions for 16 yards. Um, Brandon Cooks was horrible, two receptions, 18 yards. And Nico had one reception for nine yards. And Farrell Brown, two receptions, 10 yards, and on and on. Nothing too interesting. Altogether as a team, 14 receptions, 107 yards. And you wonder how the Texans pulled off this victory, right? Looking at the Tennessee side. Now, you know, they had to have a ton of receiving yards and receptions, right? I mean, 52 fucking pass attempts. Something got to happen, right? Uh, Nick Westbrook, seven receptions, 107 yards. Actually, somebody new I'm getting familiar with because I never really heard about this guy until this game. A.J. Brown, five receptions, 48 yards. Dontrell Hilliard, eight receptions, 47 yards. Chester Rogers, four receptions. 41 yards. Des Fitzpatrick, three receptions, 35 yards. Anthony Ferksker, five receptions, 26 yards. Deontay Foreman touched the ball. Adrian Peterson touched the ball. And Marcus Johnson and Tommy Hudson was targeted at, but they didn't get get a catch. Looking at all that, man, it's crazy how many people touched this ball for Tennessee in that game. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was really mixing up who getting the ball and who's not. And I got to say, that's a good thing. And and just to see some of them other players step up when Julio's not playing, you know, uh, is a great thing. And that's that's why the Tennessee Titans are 8-3 and three since the Texans beat them. But that's why they're at the top of the AFC because they have a quarterback that can spread the ball around and a quarterback that you can use in high usage percentage. But they also have a quarterback that's average, that's not elite. And him not being elite also makes him look even worse when you go 35 for 52 and you throw four picks. That's what call that is what I call not being elite. So uh just to hit on who got all these four picks for the Texans, right? Uh so Ross Blacklock, he had a sack in this game. Jacob Martin had a sack in this game. That was our two sacks. And then, um, as far as picks are concerned, Desmond King had two picks. Um, Camille Gruger-Hill had a pick, and Terrence Mitchell had a pick. So, you got a linebacker that got a pick, and a D and two DBs that had a pick. 
three combining together and then the linebackers showing up as well. That's good team defense right there. That's what I call solid defense from the Texans. And you got to really give applause to the O-line for the Texans for not even giving up any sacks because that's a damn good thing. Now, I will say this. Tennessee did have six tackles for a loss, but they didn't get no sacks. They got one quarterback hit all game. That's a damn good thing by the Texans because when I compare what the Texans did to Tennessee, we dominated on the defensive side. Two sacks, five tackles for a loss, seven uh, pass, passes defense, and then we had eight quarterback hits. We was all over Ryan Tannehill, but of course we're going to be over him when he stepped back for 52 times. Come on, Mike Vrabel. You know your quarterback is not that good. Stick to your running game, bro. Moving on, people. Let's talk about the Rockets. The Rockets still have lost and lost and lost again. I think right now we're on like a 14-game slide. We ain't won in 14 games, people. Um, the last time we won was against the Thunder, and we couldn't get it done against Thunder on the second go-round. Tonight, we are facing the Celtics. And I'll actually give you an update on this game currently. The Rockets are down by seven points. The score is 46-39 in the Boston Celtics' favor. It is a minute and 55 seconds to halftime. And um, I got to say, it's looking like the Rockets will get their 15th loss in a row and continue to be the last team in the NBA. I'm going to be honest. It really doesn't make sense for the Rockets to keep losing all these games. They're going to have to make some changes. They need to go ahead and ship out John Wall. They need to figure out if Silas is the guy to be coaching this team because I'm going to tell you what. He is too much of a player's coach right now for me. They need someone that's a veteran coach that is stern, that is going to get this young team on the right page, and they need some better veteran players in there with championship caliber backgrounds um, that they can probably, maybe they need to just overpay maybe one and get him in into Houston right now because I'm pretty sure nobody really wants to be a part of this young team in a rebuilding part. But i tell you one thing, if they get the right player um, that can make plays such as like a playmaker, um, the young guys will look way better. They'll look way, way better than what they are currently. Um, imagine if this team had like Chris Paul on the team right now or a Westbrook, they would look way better. They look competitive. Um, I would, I guarantee you Jalen green would look much, much better than what he looks right now. And that would all be because they will have someone who actually understands the game, who knows how to not turn the ball over and basically make plays for those young dudes to get open and, have open shots right now. The Rockets don't have that. And that's what they need on this team. Besides having a lanky long defender in the paint besides, uh, Tice because Tice is not that. And that's what the Rockets need to pull, to prove that, uh, they have a young talented squad. But, um, just to look at a couple other games that's coming up for the Rockets. Um, besides the Celtics game, the Rockets will be facing off against Chicago on Wednesday. That will be another loss for the Rockets. And then Saturday, they'll face off against Charlotte. 
Um, by the way, this is a three-game home stretch, and it's sad to say that these three games, they will lose Chicago, Charlotte, and then they'll face off against Oklahoma City again and then backdoor and go to Oklahoma City in the next four games. And then the fifth game, they get to face off against Orlando, which a game that should be a toss-up. But sad to say, the Rockets uh, playing on the court has yet to surprise me, and they will take this game as an L as well. We're looking at people another five to six games where the Rockets lose, including tonight, because I doubt that they pull off this game against the Boston Celtics. So we're talking about a Rockets team that could possibly lose 20 games in a row. Now, on the baseball side of things, the Houston Astros re-signed Justin Verlander. They got Verlander for one year, $25 million. And the good thing about everything is Verlander is looking like him old self. So with that being said, the Astros are getting another ace back onto their roster and they still have plenty of money to throw at other aces and other uh, playmakers that they can be adding to this Astros team. So far, they haven't really made any other moves besides getting Verlander back in Houston, but I'm liking the move and hopefully uh, soon we get something done um, with Starlin Marte because I know they're strongly trying to get him. And I would love to have Marte in our outfield at this point. Now, looking at the college side of things, my Houston Cougars continue to dominate week in and week out. Man, did you see all the altercations that came down in this Houston versus Memphis game? My Houston Cougars showed up big and showed out. They got the 31-13 victory. And we continue to cruise and move forward at 10-1 with the fourth longest win streak in NCAA currently active right now. Um, so let's do a little recap. Clayton Toon didn't play great. He went one for two, one TD, two picks. But on the flip side, Seth Hennigan didn't play too much better than Clayton Toon. And I would actually say that Clayton Toon was playing actually a little bit better than Hennigan because Clayton Toon threw 34 attempts. He hit on 20, 264 yards, one TD, two picks. And Seth Hennigan, 21 uh, completions, 45 attempts, 208 yards, one TD, two picks. So you look at those QB ratings, um, Clayton Toon was 63.1 and Hennigan was 37.3, which is much, much better than his counterpart on the other side of the field. Looking at the rushing game, Houston rushed the ball well. So did Memphis, but not as good as Houston. Tajon Henry, 13 carries, 73 yards, 1 TD. Clayton Toon, 13 carries, 59 yards, 1 TD. Alton McCaskill, 9 carries, 58 yards, 1 TD. Unfortunately, McCaskill got hurt in that game. He was having a great explosive game, and I hope to see him ready for the American Championship when we take on Cincinnati. Uh, next week could be a good week for him to rest his legs and get everything together with me saying that that doesn't mean that we overlook UConn either even though UConn I believe only won one game so far this season um but looking at the Memphis rushing uh attack Rodriguez Clark 12 carries 32 yards no TDs Gabriel Rogers one carry 22 yards 
Weaver, three carries, 21 yards. He was the main one out there talking all that smack on the field, too. He was uh putting the, the UH symbol down and just disrespecting us. And all that disrespect, and that's all you give them, is three carries and 21 yards, Weaver? Don't nobody want to hear none of that shit no more. You stay your ass over there. Yeah, I'm pretty aggressive about that. Anyways, looking at the receiving, Houston came through with the receiving as well. 20 receptions as a team, 264 yards, just to highlight a couple. Nathaniel Dale, seven receptions, 100 yards, one TD. Jeremy Singleton, five receptions, 80 yards, no TDs. Tyson Henry, three receptions, 31 yards, no TDs. Now looking at Memphis' side, uh, they had 22 receptions as a team. 216 yards receiving, and they had one TV, one TD receiving overall for their team. Calvin Austin III, five receptions, 103 yards. Sean Dykes, five receptions, 20 yards. Rock Taylor, one reception, 18 yards, and so on and so out. Most of them just had like one reception, and they had like a nice game for like 15 yards on average, I would say. Um... Now, Houston did force a fumble by Marcus Jones. He did a great thing for Houston to get that turnover. Also, we had a two interceptions by Marcus Jones. He was out there balling. Hey, NFL, you better have your telescope on Marcus Jones because that boy there, he's a beast. And I mean, when I say beast, he's a good returner. I mean, the dude's probably, what, number two in NCAA and kick returns. He picking stuff off. He quick. He finesse. He can do things on both sides of the ball. Marcus Jones, he's a hell of an elite college player. I promise you that. On the Memphis side, Rodney Owens had an interception. J.J. Russell had an interception. Um, overall, man, this was a damn good game. Um, it's actually closer than some might expect until the, I'll say, third, late third, early fourth quarter. Um but I would definitely say hats off to both teams. They they laid it all out there on the field, and it was just a damn good game. Solid win for Houston. Now, the Houston Cougars basketball, men's basketball to be exact, today they got a victory against Butler, but I know last week I was talking about them playing Virginia. They beat Virginia by 20, 67 to 47, and today they got their victory against Butler University, 70 to 52. And I tell you, man, Houston is knocking off solid college basketball teams. And also, the Houston Cougars are in the Maui Gym, Maui Invitational Tournament right now. So this is part of that. And uh, Butler was their first defeat, you know, the first team they knocked off. And uh, in this game, I, I want to do a little recap because Houston plays solid. And I actually thought this game was going to be a little closer, you know, just looking at everything on paper. But I got to say, that boy Sasser, he goes out and ball week in and week out. Even though he only had nine points, he still gave us two steals, three assists. That's good, solid. Fabian White, 21 points. Man, one block, one steal, eight rebounds. You can't be mad at that. They balled today, and I'm happy for U of H. Looking at the uh, the Butler side, Gross, he had 10 points with him as the leading scorer. And, and second was uh, Taylor. He had nine points. And I will tell you what. 
Houston defense was good in this game. They forced 20 turnovers, and they forced Butler to follow him 17 times. In comparison, Houston only turned the ball over 10 times, and they did have 19 fouls. But looking at how defense, how the defense for the Cougars have been doing, you have to be proud that the same defense from last year has transitioned into the new year, and Houston is continuously locking boys up and locking down. Now, people, you know, I was talking about this Texas A&M Aggies game versus PV, and boy, was I so disappointed. But I guess some people will say, what did you expect, right? Well, I expected more from a 7-2 PV team taking on a 7-2 Aggies team. And now, who's to say? But, you know, uh, A&M actually, like, owns PV now. So, PV is not is no longer at HBCU. So who knows? PV probably had to take that fold anyways. Now, we all know that Ag the Aggies got more talent on the field, but I expected PV to get a touchdown in this game, and that was not going to happen for them. Um, in the first quarter, it was already over. It was 21 skunk in the first. In the second, it was 17 put in for uh, A&M. And then Third and fourth, they scored seven in each uh, quarter, and PV only scored three points in the second half. The final score is 52 to three. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Calzada came through for AM, 150 yards, two TDs. Man, and it's not really much to even say about the PV defense. I mean, offense, because uh, according to the, the game leaders, man, PV offense got just. They just got shut down. One for seven for the quarterback, five yards. That, like, bro, I've never heard of anything like that. Uh, on the Russian side for PV, 24 carries for Stewart, 100 yards. Um, Spiller, he continues to dominate week in and week out, and uh, he's he's probably a, a top three uh, running back right now in NCAA. And um, he had nine carries, 70 yards, and one TD, just enough to get the W, you know, just doing enough before he passed the torch to, to his backup. Um, on the receiving side, well, PV only had one receiver with a, with a catch, and uh, that was a good water. One reception for five yards, and then you look at the other side, Muhammad, five receptions, 77 yards, two TDs for AM. That was That was just a bad game altogether. All I expected more from PV, very disappointed. Thought that they could at least put up half of the points of 52. You know, that, that that's just not the way to go out, PV. You got to do better. I know it's a D1 school, and, and, and they D1 as well. But, you know, just you got to look better out there, man. You got to look better. But this is why I say we got to get some of our black student athletes, man, going to these black schools. And, unfortunately, PV is not truly all of that anymore. But uh, even still, they're... At the, at the end of the day, man, so much history at PV, and they will always forever be an HBCU. You know, uh, they just don't carry that badge anymore. But these schools like PV, TSU, man, I would love to, love to see them defeat one of these D1 schools, man. And I just hope that one day the tide turns in their favor. Um, but Sam Houston State continues to roll 10-0. 35-9 victory against Abilene. And I told you all that it was coming. 
And man, was it coming? And it came hard. 35 to 9. Bro, Sam Houston is looking good, getting ready to go into Conference USA, and they're not disappointed at all. They're showing up and showing out, and Schmidt had a damn good game. 244 yards, three TDs, and his counterpart played horrible. Mansell, 130 yards, one interception. Not good enough to get the win, my buddy. Uh, looking at the rushing for Sam Houston, Jefferson, 14 carries, 86 yards, one TD. And then a counterpart, Johnson, for ACU, three carries, 36 yards. And then if you even look at the receiving, Sam Houston dominated in that as well. Ezard, five receptions, 106 yards receiving. And then you look at his, his counterpart for ACU, Smith, six receptions, 49 yards receiving. This game wasn't close, and, and the talent level shows that they had no chance against Sam Houston. Damn good win for Sam Houston. Abilene Christian, got to get it together, man. But I will tell you this. Abilene Christian is a 5-6 and six team. They're 1-5 in their conference. They got to do better in conference play. But, hey, they're still an average, good, solid team out there. And they will probably get this uh, win next week against whoever they're playing against because they will be looking for a rebound. Now, HBU, bro, HBU just continues to disappoint me and hurt my feelings. They went 0-11, people. 0-11. Incarnate word, Cardinals, well, I said they was going to dominate them. And uh, they dominated them just as I expected. 55-14. to It was 35-0 in the first quarter, people. 35-0 in the first quarter. Man. Now, it was nice to know that HBU did try to rebound in the second quarter and score 14 straight points, but uh, it just was not enough to get the victory. And that 14 was the last 14 that they would score. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. This team is horrible. By the way, their quarterback for HBU threw four picks. He went 10 for 24. On the other side, uh, Incarnate Word, Ward. Through 314 yards, three TDs, and one pick. I think Olivius needs to take a couple training exercises from Ward because he has to figure out who's on his team and who isn't. And four interceptions and no TDs is just goddamn horrible. I tell you that, man. This team is garbage, people. I don't know what to say, man. HBU, you got to get it right, and you got to get it right tomorrow. Right now. Find your new coach, recruit better players, show them that nice campus of HBU. You have the assets right in your backyard. Get it together. Now, I love to see this. It's another game that TSU, yeah, they dropped, but it's another game that they was competitive. TSU didn't get whooped down like a HBU. TSU lost another three-point game, man. Final score was 24 to 21. They was taking on Alabama State. Unfortunately, they couldn't pull it off. Uh, now, I will say one thing. TSU was fighting. They didn't give up. First quarter, it was 7 to 7. Second quarter, no team scored. Third quarter, TSU put up 7. Alabama State put up 10. Fourth quarter, TSU put up 7. Alabama State put up 7. And with that, the final score was 24 21, right? But I give this to TSU. They went out there. They was competitive. Yes, a lot of things they need to grow on and improve in. 
But hey, I now I will tell you this one thing. Andrew Body played a good game for them. He was 163 yards on the passing, 13 for 25, one TD, one pick, nine carries, 134 yards, one TD. Hell, sound like TSU just need to go ahead and run the, uh, the Navy wishbone or whatever they run out there because uh, that's the only way they're going to succeed if their running back is running so much and not throwing that much, you know. Um, and from what I've noticed so far that TSU, they like to lean on their run, but uh, maybe they're just not leaning on it the correct way. I like to see TSU improve um, going into the next season and recruit better as well. I just don't understand, man. You got all these players right here, you know, young athletes that's ready to play. They want scholarships. And, and, and who are they choosing? They're choosing some bums, people. Oh, and how could I, you know, forget about the squad, right? I would never forget about Rice. Rice, uh, Rice took another L, people. Uh this time they lost to UTEP by 10 points. Final score was 38 to 28. UTEP pulled it off at home. UTEP move on to 7 and 4 and Rice fall to 3 and 8. Um looking at some things, Constantine, he didn't play bad. 14 completions, 25 attempts, 183 yards passing, two TDs. Looking on the other side, Hardison, 23 for 35, 366 yards passing. Two TDs, one pick. Um, Rice run game was looking pretty decent. I think Rice should have just played a little bit better, a little bit harder. Um, overall, Rice had 160 yards rushing, and they did it on 34 attempts. And flipping on the other side, UTEP, they did 32 carries, 122 attempts, but they had three rushing TDs and versus Rice, two rushing TDs. Um, as a team, Rice threw, threw two TDs. And no picks, but UTEP threw two TDs and one pick. Now, Rice did fumble the ball, so did UTEP. So I see all the opportunity out here for Rice, um, but they didn't, you know, excel on, you know, basically taking advantage of the turnovers. And that seemed like that's something that Rice needs to improve on. But you know what? I think this Rice team should be bowl eligible Going into next season, this year, of course, they will miss the bowl because they need at least, like, what, five or six wins, and uh, they're not going to make it. Uh, three and eight rises is just not going to get it done. A seven and four UTEP team, though, will advance to a bowl game. All right, people. So now you already know what time it is. It's time to transition, my guys. Yes, sir. <laughs> Did you all see the fight? Sean Porter versus my boy. My boy, man. You already know. Hey, damn good fight. Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter, head-to-head, toe-to-toe. Um, it's crazy to say that this fight went as far as it did. Ten rounds, Terrence Crawford took it to him, and Sean Porter wasn't backing down. Um, to say that... He got the 10th round KO, you know, or the stoppage. It's it's crazy to say that Sean Porter would even walk away from boxing at this point. I mean, he's had a damn good career. And this, to, say, to hear his dad say his son wasn't prepared to fight Terrence Crawford, I think that's actually saying a lot more than less. I mean, because you went 10 rounds with somebody that you wasn't prepared to really fight, 
and I guess, you know, you went pound for pound with the best and, and the best made you say, hey, man, I'm tired of taking these hits to my head. I'm going to go ahead and take the back seat and I'm going to go ahead and walk up out of here, you know. Now, what is next for Terrence Crawford? The next fight for Terrence Crawford should be Errol Spence and it shouldn't be nobody else but Errol Spence Jr., I am tired of Errol Spence trying to duck and dodge Terrence Crawford. People can say whatever they want about Bud Crawford, but Bud gets the job done and he's nobody to be pushing around because every fight I've watched him, he really is the best pound for pound. I know all these people want to be on this Canelo bandwagon and stuff. Yeah, Canelo's good, but he ain't no Terrence Crawford. And I seen Terrence Crawford eat some punches in this fight. I seen him duck and dodge some punches in this fight. And I seen him put somebody on their ass. And yeah, we see Canelo do some things. But I know it's somebody that's out there that is ducking and dodging this Errol Spence. He's ducking and dodging Terrence Bud Crawford. And he's ducking and dodging his first loss in this part of his career. Now, I don't know if he lost on the amateur level, but so far professionally, Errol Spence Jr. is undefeated, and I'm ready for Terrence Bud Crawford to go out there and give him that first L because I know for sure that Aaron, Errol Spence will run from Terrence Crawford if they get in the ring together. And to be honest, man, at this point, I want to see Terrence Crawford fight him. I want to see him fight... Uh, some of them same people that I've been saying that Canelo needs to fight, Crawford needs to fight. I want to see Crawford gain some weight, move up in the weight class, beat some of them same people that Canelo beat, and then eventually, hopefully, he can work his way towards fighting Canelo at a, at a nice weight. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the fight that I really want to see. Fuck all the bullshit. That's the fight to see. That's the fight that's going to get everybody... Buying in, and it's going to be another sellout. Uh, I'm tired of I'm tired of all these boxers ducking each other. I'm tired of all these uh, different promoters ducking people for the boxing. Stop doing all that, man. Make the big money and put all the other stuff away because this is what it's all about. At this point, I need to see this fight. And talking about other fights, I know you all heard about Canelo. Moving up in the boxing rank. And you know. Um, Canelo is supposed to be going to. Cruiserweight now. So with Canelo fighting. In his fifth weight class. You have to wonder. Um, will he be able to. Take the title. From Ilunga Jr. Makabu. Because I'm looking at Makabu. And Makabu look like he going to. Knock Canelo ser silly. Seriously. Uh, man, that African there, he got some hands. He got some good footwork. And Canelo, you might better take some shots from some people. But Makabu is one that deliver. And I'm I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you, Canelo is going to have to come out there with the extra added weight. You know, yeah, we seen him fight at 175 once before. But, you know, cruiserweight is 200 pounds. And at 200 pounds, he got to be ready to deliver because the hits going to be heavier. He's going to have to know how to have 
solid stamina to keep moving and pushing through the fight. And this is not going to just be no no walkthrough fight for Canelo. I'm telling you, Makabu going to be on his stuff and he going to be ready. It's NFL time, people. And you already know what that means. First, I want to go ahead and open and say, currently the Buccaneers and Giants is coming off of halftime. Buccaneers is leading on the Monday night, uh, 17 to 10. But first, I got to go ahead and recap on the games that I wasn't able to get to you all about and give you my predictions. So let's go ahead and get to it. So Thursday night, Patriots, Falcons, they take on each other head to head. You thinking that the Falcons might get some payback against them, you know, uh, Patriots for Super Bowl 51. But instead, no, the Patriots just go ahead and own the Falcons 25-0. Then you got the Colts and Bills. Man, I thought the Bills was going to come through and show the Colts up. But guess what? It wasn't happening for Josh Allen in this game. Colts take it 41-15 in a blowout. Then we got a close one. Oh, man, your boy, he went out. But guess what? It was a nice backup-to-backup game. Ravens and Bears, somehow the Ravens pull it out 16-13. This game went the long way, but it wasn't in the Bears' favor. Then, Lions and Browns. Browns coming back to fight for another one, 13-10. Browns get it done. Lions go down. Texans, Titans. Oh, man. The Texans break that eight-game losing streak, and they get the win, 22-13. Titans was number one in the AFC, and they still remain. But the Texans are trying to creep up in the division. Packers, Vikings, taking on each other. Oh, who would have thought that the Vikings would pull this one out? But you know, neither one of them teams like each other. And when you're in Minnesota, you better come through because the Packers took this loss, and the Vikings succeeded. 34-31. Dolphins, Jets. Oh, man, the Dolphins go ahead and go in for a third win in a row. 24-17 over the 2-8 Jets. Eagles, Saints, a tough one for the Eagles. But guess what? Not tough enough. The Eagles get their first win on the season at home, and they take it 40-29. Washington, Panthers. Oh, boy, Cam came back out for his first start in a while and his first start for the Panthers in Carolina. And Cam, Cam did everything he could presenting to the fans and letting him know that he was back, but he wasn't back for a dub. Washington figured it out 27-21. By the way, Taylor Heineke had a good game, 16 for 22, 206 yards, three TDs. I got to give him an applause. 49ers, Jaguars. Oh, man, the Jags just continue to let us down. 49ers take this one, 30-10. Garoppolo, two TDs in the game. Bengals, Raiders. Oh, you thought the Raiders was going to come through at home. I did too. But guess what? The Bengals needed that win more than the Raiders did. 32-13. Bengals smashed the Raiders into the ground. Oh, and then it's the game of all games. Chiefs and Cowboys. We thought the Cowboys was for real, but I guess they ain't real enough. 19-9. Chiefs take it. Patrick Mahomes didn't show up big, but they showed up for the W. And then who would have forgot about this one? Cardinals, Seahawks, 23-13, Cardinals, Seahawks go down, and they drown big time in Seattle. Chargers, Steelers, Sunday night, 
taking on all the live action. Boy, this was a good game, and Justin Herbert just proved that he is the next up-and-coming QB. 382 yards and three TDs and a W. 41-37. Steelers, take the L. And if you didn't know, on the bye week was the Rams and Broncos. Let's transition for week 12 of the NFL, baby. It's Thursday, and it's Thanksgiving. And you know what that means? We got six teams coming off of losses, and they're all going heads up, and they're all fighting to get a victory. Now, these are actually some tight matchups because you got the Bears and you got the Lions. And if Justin Fields return, I'm taking the Bears. But if he doesn't and Andy Dalton's playing, the Lions have the chance to get their first win of the season at home against an Andy Dalton-ran offense. And the Lions are hungry, and they are always competitive, and I just don't see a reason why the Lions can't get a victory at home. But like I said, if Justin Fields play, Bears win, and they win by more than three points, and I'm taking the Bears. Raiders and Cowboys. Oh, man. You got two of the, two of, the of America's biggest most dominant fan bases and they're going heads up this right here is a money maker i'm surprised this is not the late game instead of the mid-evening game but with all that being said raiders cowboys raiders five and five cowboys seven and three heads up spread seven points and you know what i'm gonna have to take the cowboys because one thing i can't say about this cowboys team they don't lose back to back and they will be hungry and they will be trying to get that W because the way they lost against the Chiefs, I know they want to rebound. And you know what? They might just be getting a couple players back. I know some players was banged up for the Cowboys. So, people, be be uh, aware and just be don't be alarmed. I want to say don't be alarmed when you see how good this Cowboys team is later in the season once everybody gets healthy because. What you've seen against the Chiefs was just a shell of what the Cowboys have to offer. And that's just what I believe after watching them week in and week out. And I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one by at least seven points. I'm going to run with the spread. I think the Raiders are going to be hungry. They're going to want to get this victory. Um, I know Derek Carr is out there tired of losing. And he's been having a damn good season. But guess what? Dak Prescott is better. And the Cowboys are just a better team overall. Cowboys win. Bills and Saints for the late game, 7-20. Man, I don't know. But one thing I can tell you is for sure is that this game is taking place in New Orleans, which is kind of a miracle to see New Orleans playing on a Thanksgiving day. You know, pretty interesting. Bills, Saints, who am I going to take? I'm going to take the Bills away in New Orleans because Josh Allen is there to compete. Speaking of the Saints, what do you think about Taysom Hill's deal? Because... I think it's really ridiculous to pay Taysom Hill that much money. Now, I'm not the one to judge on how much people should get paid. But to say that Taysom Hill deserves a deal that connect $95 million, you got to be goddamn crazy. You got to be fucking crazy to pay Taysom Hill, someone who is not dependable at quarterback and who is half dependable at running back, that much money. I mean, you're talking about somebody... Possibly making $40 million over the next four years of his contract. And he's got a deal that nets him 
in several positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Yeah, I understand he's a special teams ace as well, but all of those things doesn't scream $95 million. You know why? Because there's several, several athletes that have came before him that has done the same things, and they have never been mentioned to get that much money. So I want to understand, what is so special about Taysom Hill? I'm looking at him inside and out, and I don't see what screams 95 million possibilities for Taysom Hill. And now they're saying if he becomes the Saints starting quarterback over the next four years, he couldn't net that 95 million. Y'all talking about Taysom Hill like he's 21. This dude is 31 years old, and in four years, he'll be 35, and he won't be playing half of those positions I just mentioned. So let's be realistic, people. Moving on. Sunday night, I mean Thursday night, I'm taking the Bills, Taysom Hill, he might show up, he might not, who cares, Bills going to take this, and I actually think this might just be a blowout, because the Bills need this win, they need to get back on track, they need to get their running running game going, and Stefan Diggs is still been playing like a big target receiver, as he will keep on doing, and he'll keep on trucking and chucking, and Saints will lose, Bills will win. All right, riding into Sunday. Sunday afternoon, we got Steelers, Bengals. Good game, right? Joe Burrow finally got another win, getting back on track. Saints fight, 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 but they didn't get the win last week, right? So you got to wonder, in this game in Cincinnati, Ohio, in Paul Brown Stadium, who can take it? Cincinnati is favorite, but you know what? I'm not really sure right here. Who's better and who will who will come up to get the W. But well, one thing I will tell you is that Joe Mixon, if he have a good game, Jamar Chase, if he has a good game, there's no way that the Bengals will lose this game. And a 6-4 Bengals team is looking forward to going 7-4, and four, and I'm going to take the Bengals. This might actually be a lot closer than what, what we're expecting, and the 3.5 spread might just be right in line. Buccaneers, Colts, man. This game right here is going to be one hell of a game. You know, Brady, let y'all know and update y'all. Well, y'all already know, but Buccaneers got the W, beat the hell out of the Giants, which was an easy matchup. But this game right here won't be too easy. But I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this game. The, the one reason I'm going to take the, the Buccaneers in this game is because the Buccaneers has a top five run-stopping defense. And you know what the Colts do well? They run the ball. And Jonathan Taylor is the number one running back in the NFL right now with 193 carry, 1,100 yards, and 13 TDs. That will get shut down. I'm sorry to say, but the Buccaneers will take this game. It will be close, but Jonathan Taylor will not be a factor. The Buccaneers will win this game by seven. I promise you that. Panthers, Dolphins. Man, this is a good game, and honestly, this is where the Dolphins' win streak ends because Cam is back. Cam is looking to prove himself, and he has to prove himself this week because last week he lost. He lost to Washington football, and you can't just lose to Washington football, right? You got to make a turnaround. You got to go to Miami. You got to get this W, and if I'm Cam Newton, I'm looking to go out there and have a big game. Tua is getting back on track, though. 
Tua been playing pretty solid. And honestly, I think right now, Tua is just trying to prove that he deserves to be the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, and he does not deserve to be overlooked at any point of his career because Tua is a solid quarterback, and it's shown week in and week out when he does play. And you know what? Panthers got to win this game, though. Cam, he's going to be Superman this week. He's going to get it done in Miami, and he's just going to figure out a way to get it done. Titans, Patriots. Oh, boy. Patriots 7-4, Titans 8-3. You got two heavy dogs fighting against each other. But this fight will take place in Foxborough, in Gillette Stadium. And I got to say, Titans, they need this win. They need this win to stay on top, people. But you know what? One thing Mike Vrabel has done well is beat his old coach. And he's beaten Belichick, I think, more than once. And you know what? This week, he might just be able to do it if he can get his running game going. You know, without King Henry in the backfield, it's a different beast back there. You got AP. AP, oh boy, Hall of Fame running back. But he old now. He can't pull the way he used to pull. He can't run people over the way he used to. So he need help. And if he get the help this week, the Titans get the win. But if he don't, Mac Jones is in. And you know what? 32 degrees, it's going to be a heavy run day. And I got to say, Titans get the win. Titans can't take another L, and they definitely going to be looking and licking their chops because they lost to my sorry-ass Texans. And when you lose to the Texans, you got to go back out there and get that W. Titans get that W, man. And I'm going to take them and buy at least seven. Eagles, Giants facing off against each other. Giants coming off L. Eagles turning the page and getting right. Jalen Hurts looking good, 2,300 yards passing, 13 TDs, liking what Jalen Hurts is doing. He finally finding a, a good balance in his game. He's not just all about running, but even though he still run the ball, he got 618 yards on rushing, 114 carries, and 8 TDs. Man, look at how, look at how many TDs Jalen Hurts is responsible for. And, oh, let's not forget about the rookie receiver, Smith, 46 receptions. 664 yards and four TDs. Eagles dominating this game. One thing I can say about this team, they've been knowing how to put up points, and they're going to put up points in this game. Giants will lose at home, sadly. Falcons, Jaguars, battle of two of the, one of the, hmm, suck asses, I guess. Falcons, Jaguars, I don't know. Matt Ryan looking for another dub. Jaguars trying to get back on the right page and get them another victory. Robinson out here running around, beasting. But I don't know. Cal Pitts, can he be shut down? Can he get it together? 43 receptions now, 635 yards, one TD. I don't know what to say, people, but I'm going to take the Falcons in this one. I think they rebound against Jacksonville at TIAA Bankfield and get the W. Jets and Texans. Uh, this is going to be a very good questionable one, people. You know what? Tyrod had a good game last week. But it all came on the feet. And the Texans will be at home. But they won't be at home in front of a big crowd, I'll tell you that much. And the Jets come in 2-8. and eight. Texans 2-8. and eight. Jets haven't won any games away. They 0-5. And, and I'm liking the Texans' chances with the 1-3 at home. Hmm. Texans. Get this done. Because if Tyrod is flipping the script and getting back to old Tyrod that we seen early in the season... Jets have no chance. 
They have no chance, and the Texans will win. Chargers, Broncos. Boy, boy, boy. See, this right here is one of those, you know, give-and-go games because Justin Herbert, he's been playing awesome. But the Broncos are not a bad team, especially ever since they traded away Von Miller. They at 500. They got a chance at the playoffs. They both are divisional rivals. And one thing I can tell you, 51 degrees in Mile High Stadium at a mile high in the sky. Hmm. Thin air. I'm liking the Broncos' chances to get the upset. I'm liking the Broncos in this one. I'm going to take the Broncos by three. I think they go out there and get it done. Um, They lean on some of their defensive players. They lean on some of their offensive players. They get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Broncos take the W. Rams, Packers. Oh, man, this is another good one. You got the 73 Rams going up against the 8-3 Packers. You got two of the NFC top dogs going up head-to-head. You know what, man? I'm liking this 17-game uh, season because we get a lot of top dogs going up against each other. We, we get a lot of good rivalries as well. And, man, I don't like the Rams' chance in 35 degrees coming from L.A. to cold-ass Wisconsin. But you know what? One person that might have a chance for him is Matthew Stafford. But then again, I say nah because everything he did was ever always indoors anyways in Detroit, right? I'm pretty sure they don't even practice outside. But then again, why wouldn't they practice outside? I mean, it only makes sense. Um, Matthew Stafford, he's been having an MVP season. 3,000 yards passing, 24 TDs. I don't know, but you're going up against a heavy hand, Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers got a lot of players around him now. And he's been able to win at home. He's undefeated at home, 4-0. I'm liking Green Bay chances, man. I'm liking Green Bay to get this W. And ain't no telling what kind of weather you get in Green Bay. It's cold and it's 35 right now. That's what they predicting. But I'll tell you what, it might be 32 and below. Vikings, 49ers. Oh, boy. This right here is a matchup of the playoffs, what, a couple seasons ago. Kirk Cousins get another chance. At the 49ers, and the 49ers get another shot at him. Who will pull it off? Will it be Garoppolo or will it be Cousins? I don't know, but I one thing I will tell you, this game is back in Santa Clara, and that makes perfect conditions for the Vikings to try to go out there and get the victory. Coming off another victory against the Packers, I'm liking what the Vikings can do, and I'm liking that the Vikings will come up with the upset too. Because the 49ers are favored in this game by three. Debo Samuel still have a big game. But Kirk Cousins does just enough to get the ball to Dalvin Cook and to Thielen and make big plays. Browns and Ravens, Sunday night. Oh, shit, people. You got the Browns versus the Browns. <laughs> this is going to be a good one, man. It's taking place in Baltimore. And it's going to be a 43 degrees night. So, no weather factors to really worry about. Nick Chubb still out here balling. He might not be the number one back this season. Baker Mayfield still out here trying to prove who he should be. 2,100 yards, 10 TDs. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Baker. But I tell you what, I got him lining up in my fantasy. Especially if Lamar can't get get the W and go out there and play. So, Baker Mayfield... He got to get this W, especially if Lamar Jackson not playing. But if Lamar playing, I'm leaning towards the Ravens. 
But you know what? The Browns need this win. They need this win to stay in on the playoffs and stay hungry. Because I'll tell you one thing. The AFC East or North, you want to say? AFC North has been balling out. And it's been real tough. From the Browns, Ravens, and Bengals, and Steelers, they're all being very competitive. And somebody, somebody has to be left out in this division. So, I'm going to take the Browns in this one. But I'm not taking them for the playoffs. But it's going to stay tight and competitive, people. Browns by three. And then we got that Monday night. Oh, Monday night. I won't even say this is two battles of the suck asses. You got a prove it team. You got a Seahawks team coming off a loss. You got a Russell Wilson uh, out here experiencing some things he's never experienced with the Seahawks. And you got Taylor Heineke trying to prove that he belongs as an NFL starter, starter as in the quarterback position. Uh, trying to prove himself to the NFL. And even, even if he's not trying to prove it to the NFL, he's proving it to himself. Because 2,300 yards, almost 2,400 yards, 15 TDs, I can't be mad at what he's producing. And then you got Gibson going behind him, 601 yards on the second season, five TDs. Terry McLaurin, 735, five TDs. Man, I'm liking what Washington's doing. But you know what? You know what? I think Seattle going to get it done. Because I just can't imagine that Russell Wilson goes out and loses again. Seattle will move on to be 4-7, and seven, and Washington will file to 4-7. and seven. All right, people. That's all we got to say about the NFL. Now, let's get to a couple highlight NBA matchups because I know we got to hear them, see them, and see it all take place. One of them I want to talk about is the Lakers and Knicks. Hold up. Wait a minute. I know y'all seen LeBron punch that dude in the face. I know y'all seen LeBron elbow Isaiah in the face. That was just wrong. He didn't have to do Stewart like that, man. He didn't have to do him like that. I know he said it was an accident, but damn. But damn, how, how do you accidentally swing your elbow that hard? I mean, he swung the shit out his elbow, busted his damn head open above his eye, leaking his face down like he was in the shower, a shower of blood, and then he had a busted lip. Don't sound too much like an accident, man. It do not. And for LeBron to even say, oh, bro, I tried to get his number and call him. Ain't none of that. Meet me in the locker room. I know I know the locker rooms uh, connect, bro. And that's one thing. I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you. Really? But I'm going to be honest about Isaiah Stewart. I don't think he was really intentionally ready because he had, he had a chance to swing. Like, as soon as the shit broke out and... They was face-to-face. He should have just started swinging. He should have just started going for it all and trying to bust them lips back, put some knots on LeBron, and embarrass him in front of the world. As him being the world's greatest player, he had to bring it to him. Why not embarrass LeBron James? I'm telling you, I would have liked to see it. Or he could have just stayed the way he was, looking embarrassed, bloody, fucked up, and hey, it is what it is. But you know what? Detroit is the perfect place to start something like that, and he should have did it. We all know the history. All right, 
So, Nuggets and Trailblazers. These are two 9-8 teams. And they come from the same division. Looking to compete. Looking to get a W. And I still say Damian Lillard needs to go. Man, I would love if the Rockets could just somehow find a way to get Dame to Houston. Because we need somebody that can make plays, get a bucket, and more. And just ship John Wall out and, and something else for him. You know, just let's just get it done. Because Dame is unhappy in, in Portland. He won't admit it. But come on, Dame. You know you're not going to get a ring, bro. You're already past 30. You're, you're, you're not Giannis. It's not going to happen. You need to come to a big market so we can spend big money and, and put big players next to you. And we already got a, a good young squad. We're going to have to send some of them dudes away. You know, you got to understand that. Got to send some of them dudes away. But we will keep JG. We will keep Woods. And the rest of this shit, man, let Portland have it. Okay? Come on, Lillard. Come on down to the H, bro. Mavericks and Clippers. Whew. Both of these teams are pretty similar as well. We know both of these teams are playoff teams, most likely. If anybody will probably miss the playoffs, it might be the Clippers. And the only reason that would be is because Kawhi is not playing this season. But Paul George, I think Paul George plays his best when he doesn't have to really formulate himself amongst others. And he is the main focal point. And that's why Paul George, at this point of the season, is averaging 26.4 points per game. And 7.7 point, I mean, 7.7 rebounds per game and 5.2 assists per game. That right there is why he's a player to watch. And that's the reason why the Clippers will beat the Mavericks on Tuesday. Now, on Wednesday, we got a schedule of the Suns and Cavs. I actually think this is going to be kind of interesting. I know the Cavs are 9-9, nine and nine, but I will tell you one thing. Their draft pick for Mosley, Mobley has been perfect for them because they have twin towers. They got Jared Allen, and mind you, Jared Allen, he's playing good. 14.2 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game. You can't complain about that. That's a double-double every night. And... Going up against this Suns team, a team that is coming off of going to the NBA championship, dominating 14-3. and I think they got the second best record in the uh, West, and they're looking pretty damn solid. But the Cavs not looking like a bad team either. And this might be a game that the Cavs might be able to steal, especially being at home in Cleveland. So I kind of like the Cavs in that one. Um, some of the good matchups. Nets, Celtics. You got Harden. Harden been balling. Matter of fact, Harden balled so hard, uh, I think, last game, he did it all by himself. Durant didn't play, and he got the W. And with Boston trying to turn the page and get on the right page, you know, they beat my Rockets tonight. They beat the hell out of the Rockets. Uh, who's not beating the hell out of the Rockets, right? Um, we'll speak on them next again. But um, Celtics, Nets, 13-5 Nets, 10-8 Celtics. Jalen Brown, We'll be back for his second or third game, I believe. Second game. And um, he'll be ready to ball. And this is where the tide turns towards the Celtics' favor. Because one thing they got is chemistry. They got a team that's been together for a while. And that's really hungry, man. I mean, these guys got to one day figure it out. And if this is not the season, then what season is going to be perfect for the Celtics to move 
sporting events because honestly, I'm gonna be tell I'm gonna tell you the truth. I am tired of seeing the Celtics go down in like the second round. I'm tired of seeing that team do that. Um, sometimes they they should just I don't know. They got to pull something together, man. They got to figure something out because right now it's not working. Um, Rockets and Bulls. Rockets one and sixteen. Bulls twelve and six. Man, I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be totally honest. I can't remember a time in my life, in my 25, almost 26 years, that the Rockets have been so bad. I mean, never. This is a winning franchise we're talking about. Even, I mean, even when they had got Yao Ming and they got him with the first pick overall, the Rockets wasn't this bad. They was not this bad, man. This is the worst I've ever seen a Rockets team. If the Rockets don't shift gears soon, they're going to have to fire Silas in. At this point, like I said before, man, it's not even a question anymore. Silas is not it. He's not the coach for the job. He's not the man for the job. They got the young nucleus there, and they need somebody else to come in and figure it out. But um, I really wonder how many more games can Silas lose before they fire him? Because 1-16 in is not realistic on the Rockets' goals. Unless they really, really meant to go out there and fold every game and lose them all. That's not realistic, people. That is not realistic for the Rockets. One and sixteen, and, and and honestly, I mean, you compare them to the other teams. I mean, hell, even ball, I mean, the Pistons is four and twelve. I think that's a whole lot better than what the Rockets is doing because yeah, the, the Pistons is a bad team too, but four and twelve is way better than one and one and sixteen at this point. That's fifteen games in a, on a losing streak, man. Like seriously, fifteen games on a losing streak. There's no other team close to what the Rockets is producing. Every other team that I see has at least, what, three or four wins. I mean, only exception might be the Pelicans. And the Pelicans, I, I think they just in their own shambles. They they just got bad coaching. They they got talent there. And I just don't understand what's going on in New Orleans. And I think it's just the city in New Orleans, period. They just don't need a basketball team. But that's all I'm going to say about that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let's talk about the MLB, people. Because... Over there on the MLB side, man, we got to talk free agency. And um, I don't think there's many changes that has happened since the last time I talked about free agency. But um, there's a couple signings. You know, Justin Verlander agreed to go back to the Astros on one year and $25 million. Uh, Noah Syndergaard went to the Mets, and he went there for $21 million. Pedro Severino, catcher, goes to the Orioles. No, he goes to the Brewers leaving the Orioles for a one-year, $1.9 million deal. Jolie Rodriguez re-signs with the Yankees for $2 million. Eduardo Rodriguez, starting pitcher, leaves the Red Sox and goes to the Tigers, so the Red Sox is down a pitcher. And he goes there for five years, $77 million. Manny Pena, catcher, agreed to go to the Braves, leaving the Brewers for two years, $8 million. TJ McFarlane, relief pitcher, Agreed to re-sign with the Cardinals for a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Then you got Andrew Heaney, starting pitcher, was playing for the Yankees. Now, switching coast on him, going to the Dodgers for one year, $8.5 million. Jolies, Chasson, agreed to go back to the Rockies. One year, one point two five. Can't complain, right? And then you got the first brand, the first baseman and Brandon Belt. 
re-signed up with the Giants. One year, $18.4 million. So, so far, that goes to show that there's not a lot of big deals that has happened so far. But uh, I will tell you one thing. There's still a lot, a lot, a lot of good players out there. And um, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. Make money. Sign for big money. Um, now, let's look at some of the top pitchers that's out there that, that's available. You still got Max Scherzer, 37 years old, ready to throw some balls. Robbie Ray, you know, free agent, ready to go. And these, these are the starting pitchers, man. These are these are some solid starting pitchers. Corey Kluber's available. Um, you 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 got Stephen Matz. You still got Clayton Kershaw, and then you got um, Grinky out there. He'd be good for relief at this point. John Gray, Kevin Gosman. So all these players out here, man. Alex Cobb and and these are just some of the players. Jake Arrieta. You have a lot of talented pitchers out here that some people might change to be a relief or they could still start. But like Luis Garcia, Mike Fires, you know, these these people, these pitchers have talent and they have experience. Cole Hamels, um, man, I could just keep going. Like Jordan Lyles, like there are so many people for uh, these baseball teams to go out here and get. And, and that's just at the starting pitching position. And you know what? I want to go looking at shortstop division because in the shortstop division that's where the money is going to be made at this year and that's where a lot of this money is going to be demanded and of course you know Carlos Correa and Corey Seager probably would be the most highest paid uh two players coming out of this free agency this year and oh let's not forget about Javier Baez so you got Javier out there Carlos Correa Charlie Culberson Freddie Galvez Luis Garcia Jose Igalcius, Jordy Mercer, Andrew Romine, Corey Seager, and Andrewton Simmons. And then you got Trevor Story. So when I talk about all these players, all of these players pretty much are household names in the baseball world. And that means a household name deserves household money. And I'm trying to tell you, these boys about to get paid. And I just hope, hopefully hope that when I rank them, Correa's number one, Corey Seager's number two, Trevor Story's number three, and Javier Baez is number four. And I hope out of them four, they're all young, and I hope the Astros at least get one. And, you know, I, I hope and pray that, that that one is number one, and it's Carlos Correa, bring him back home, and don't even leave him on the market. But you got to offer a little bit more money, or maybe – just go ahead and offer him that 10-year deal, which is not really the deal that you want to give a player like Correa. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's the granddaddy of them all, people. It's college football. And I got to talk about a couple good matchups because San Diego State got it done against UNLV. They was ranked number 19. U of A took care of Memphis, 31-13. And then, of course, Georgia just pummeled over Charleston Southern and uh, 56-7. That wasn't even a game. Arkansas, Alabama, man, that was a good one. And I tell you what, uh, Bryce Young, man, you know, he, he set a record uh, for the most passing yards in a game ever by Alabama quarterback. 
And I, I just thought that was amazing. Like, all the quarterbacks that came through Alabama, Bryce Young was the first to do it. This dude went 31 for 40 on 559 yards and five TDs. Five TDs. And let's not forget about Williams, though. Williams caught eight of his passes for 190 yards and three TDs. So Williams made up for a lot of that. So out of them two, I don't know which one of the which one of the players in the NFL should be looking at, but a lot of times they say it should be the receiver because he the one making the big plays, right? But we'll see. 42-35 victory for Alabama over Arkansas. Man, Arkansas had their number, but they just wasn't good enough. And, and, and really, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in Arkansas. I had high hopes for them. I, I thought that they would, you know, um, push through this season and, and be a better team. I mean, at least like a two-loss team, uh, I was thinking. But 7-4 is not bad for a rebound for Arkansas. Hopefully, they don't drop out the top 25, you know. But um, damn good game for Arkansas. You know, they, they still kept it real close. Um, and then... I didn't I didn't see it but I seen it. Utah beat the shit out of Oregon. 38 to 7. I mean, that right there, if anything, if that didn't solidify a reason why Cincinnati should be in the tournament if they beat U of H, which I don't think they will, but that right there solidified Cincinnati's stamp into the college football tournament right there because when you get blown out by a number 23 team in the nation and you're number three in the nation, you're 20 spots better, and you get beat by 31 points, there's no chance, no chance that you deserve to be in the, in the tournament this late in the year. And that's my part. Now, moving on, when we, when we talk about that, Michigan State, they got devastated. They got destroyed. They got walked over. 49 points. Ohio State. The Ohio State. Whooped the hell out of them. 56-7. And it was over in the first quarter. It was 21 skunk in the first quarter. Then it was 28 skunk. And then it was zero for Ohio State. And then they both put up seven. And I'm going to tell you one thing. That is pretty, pretty disturbing. To see Michigan State... Go out and take care of Michigan at home the week prior or a couple weeks prior. And then they rebound and they get their ass whooped like that. But you know what? C.J. Stroud, he continues to do what he has to do. 432 yards, 32 on 35 attempts, 6 TDs. I've never seen a freshman quarterback do it, but he continues to go at it week in and week out. Now, let's move over to Cincinnati. Cincinnati just continues to pummel their opponents, 48-14. SMU, I thought, was going to play a whole lot better than what they did, but SMU didn't take care of business against Cincinnati. The number five Cincinnati went ahead and took care of their business, and they proved that they deserved to be in the college football tournament. And Desmond Ritter had a good game, 17 for 23, 274 yards, three TDs. You can't complain. And that week right there shows why Cincinnati should be competing for it all. Michigan. Michigan went out and handled their business. And Michigan will have to go out and handle their business one more time 
after they have defeated Maryland 59-18. They destroyed them. And now they will be looking to destroy Ohio State. And this will be one of the best matchups ever because we haven't seen Michigan ranked this high in a long time and we haven't seen Ohio State ranked the way they are and going up against Michigan. This is going to be amazing, man. I don't even have words for how great this game is going to be. But I tell you what, you can never beat the Ohio State and Michigan game because this is the biggest rivalry in college football, people. The biggest of them all. Georgia Tech and Notre Dame faced off against each other. That wasn't even a matchup. 55-0. Notre Dame took care of their business. Oklahoma State took care of Texas Tech. Mind you, man, it was a lot of blowouts this week. Lots of blowouts. Oklahoma State destroyed Texas Tech 23-0. Wake Forest got upset by Clemson. Clemson is trying to get on the right path. They destroyed Wake Forest 48-27. Sad, sad Wake Forest. They was ranked number 10, and now they went down. Baylor took care of Kansas State. Kansas State was a solid team, 7-4, but they went better, better than Baylor. And uh, Baylor went into Kansas State and took care of them 20-10. Vandy lost to Ole Miss. Easy win for Ole Miss, 31-17. Not much to say there. Oklahoma took on Iowa State. Almost got upset again. Ohio, Iowa State, I'm sorry, showed up in the fourth quarter, putting up 14 and it got close. That's all I can say. But Oklahoma still took care of that business and got the W. BYU never disappoints. They've been having a damn good season. And people, they've been flying under the radar. And BYU won 34-17 against Georgia Southern. Wisconsin took care of their business against Nebraska, 35-28. Damn good game for Nebraska. But, hey, Wisconsin just put up just enough to stay competitive. And then we already talked about a and PV. Yeah, not much to say there. 52-3. and walked all over them. Now, one of the last games I want to talk about is UTSA. They are still undefeated. They're 11-0. and And they took on a solid UAB team. And they barely, barely walked off with the win. And uh, UTSA got the W, 34-31. That's pretty amazing. This was a good week of college football, but it was also a horrible week because a lot of these games just wasn't, weren't competitive to my standards. So now, turning that page, we got to look at who's going to be playing who and what are the big predictions, people. So, looking at the week, USC and BYU will be taking on each other. Heads up, BYU should run away with this win in Los Angeles. I would like to see BYU continue to go on their mega, mega kill, kill. Uh, Notre Dame and Stanford will take on each other. i tell you one thing, man. Pac-12 ain't looking too hot. Pac-12 is looking pretty damn bad. Because I look at these teams and USC 4-6, and six, Stanford 3-8. and eight. I'm, I'm thinking they, they need to invite some other teams. They need to make some kind of pack. Because that little pack that they made is not going to be good enough. Because the Pac-12 is not looking good. I'll tell you that. Notre Dame will stump over Stanford. BYU should beat USC. Pitt and Syracuse. One thing I'll tell you about that Syracuse team is that you got to look out. Syracuse will show up on you and show out sometime. And that game will take place in the Dome. 
So Pitt better be looking wide and alive because uh, the Carrier Dome does get the rocking. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Battle of Oklahoma, I guess, right? And um, this game will take place in Stillwater in Boone Picking Stadium. And both of these teams are 10-1. and 1. Little did people know, these two teams are some big dogs in the Big 12. And Oklahoma will be leaving soon, but Oklahoma State will be staying. And I tell you what, looking at the future 12, or the future 4, you want to say, they all have been, been doing pretty solid. U of H, 10-1. BYU, 9-2. And, and then we got Cincinnati. They're undefeated at 11-0. So, hey, looking pretty solid to me. Um, the last team to go in there is UCF. Now, they have they started out good, but they haven't been playing up to the top potential that they have. But um, we know what UCF can bring and year in, year out. And I, I expect them to get back on the right page soon. Um, and them and LSU will be facing off this week. It will take place in LSU. Even though LSU is a 5-6 and six team, I look for them to try to get this win because, most importantly, they need this win to get into the bowls. Wisconsin. Minnesota. Solid team. Minnesota. They're always competitive at home. I look for a big crowd in front of um, Wisconsin to show up and show out. Wisconsin probably will run away with this win, but they won't be getting it real big. Michigan State and Penn State will face off against each other, and they will be looking to be getting a W out in Michigan State because the way they got dominated against Ohio State, I know they will have to beat the hell out of Penn State this week to prove themselves. Oregon and Oregon State, Battle of Oregon. Oregon should take care of Oregon State easily. But uh, one thing I will tell you, Oregon State hasn't been good lately. And this is the first year that they rebound and get back into the right side of the column. And I'll tell you what, don't be afraid or don't be alarmed if you see upset alert, especially after Oregon got hung for that loss and they might have a hangover going against Oregon State. But one thing I will say is Oregon will be at home, so they have a crowd behind them to cheer them on. Alabama and Auburn. Uh, you already know how that goes, man. Those are two teams that really hate each other. And those are two teams that we battling out for the state. And I just got to say, Alabama been on a roll. Auburn 6-5. and five. Don't overlook them. But I tell you what, Alabama should roll in this game. Roll, Crimson Tide, roll. UTSA, North Texas. Heads up. Undefeated UTSA, 11-0. Taking on North Texas, 5-6. Hmm, this game is in Denton. I will say this. It will be a good game, a good close game. But UTSA will prove to go 12-0. Because I think, if anything, UTSA is still out to prove something. They're looking to play somebody in the Power Six. They won't get the big game because of who they played, but maybe, just maybe, they might just play the loser of Houston and Cincinnati. And whoever loses will have to take on that tough UTSA team. Houston and UConn. This should be an easy one for Houston. The spread is 32 points. I would love to see Houston take care of business like that. Rest up some of the players that need to get rested up and just go out there to Connecticut and take care of his business as usual. 
and don't let this be a game that just fall through the scene. Because I will tell you one thing, back in, what, 2015, that is exactly what Houston allowed uh, to happen in Connecticut. So I like to see them take care of their business, get the W, and get ready for a tough Cincinnati team. Texas Tech and Baylor. This will be a shootout. Even though it's, say, Baylor favored by 14, you can never count Texas Tech out as far as putting up points. I don't know what their coach got for them, but I can tell you one thing. Tech can put up some points, and they should be able to do so against Baylor at Baylor. And like I said, people, it's the granddaddy of them all. Ohio State and Michigan. Oh, man. 23 degrees. Cold as hell. C.J. Stroud, 36 TDs on the season. 3,468 yards. He playing amazing. Man. Will his youth show up today? Well, on Saturday. Will his youth show up? Number four, Ohio State. Number six, Michigan. Head to head. I just can't put it past these guys, man. I know the spread say eight points. But this game taking place in Michigan... I'm looking for 110,000 fans to be screaming. And they're going to be wearing blue and gold. <laughs> Wolverine friends, man. I don't know, bro. As much as I love the Ohio State, I'll tell you one thing. I will be wearing my jersey on Saturday. But I just got a feeling, man. I just got a feeling that Michigan will get this upset. And it's going to change the whole landscape of where Ohio State falls and where Michigan falls. But if they don't, if they don't, Ohio State will be in the tournament, no questions asked. And I think if Michigan even keeps this game close, and depending who else fall amongst them, they will stay put at number six of the, you know, in the nation. So, people, those are some of the big good games that will be coming in. And um, you just got to be on the lookout. But, hey, Please don't forget to like and subscribe, share love, show love, let your boy D-Raw know how he's doing with his podcast, let me know if you need me to cover some other things, let me know if you want to talk about some other things, but I'm always here. Hey, blessings to Young Dog Family, Dog Family to be exact, uh, his wife, his kids, I hope that they have strength in mourning. And that they can just get through each obstacle from here on and out. Because I know it's going to be real tough living without Dolph. And I know the city of Memphis is really hurting to see Dolph gone. Because shout out to everybody that's from the hood and that's trying to make a difference in their hood. For real, for real. I love it. And thank you for listening. Sports Talk with